Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening in with us today on our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. Our podcasts are brought to you by the Military Child Education Coalition, whose work is focused on ensuring quality educational opportunities for all military-connected children affected by mobility, family separation, deployments, and transition. Here at the MSEC, we want to ensure that every military child is college, workforce, and life-ready. In our podcast, we will share your stories as we talk to military service members, professionals, parents, and military kids. Please like, share, and subscribe. And we appreciate your comments, questions, and ideas for topics that you would like to hear more about. Welcome, everyone, to our podcast, For the Sake of a Child. My name is Susan Sellers, and I'm a spouse of an active duty service member, parent to three military kids, master parent-to-parent educator, and now a podcast host at the Military Child Education Coalition. Today, we're going to talk to Evan, who's going to share his experience as a military-connected youth. Evan is joining us as a sophomore at Brown University, where he is the son of two military officers and has lived in a variety of locations ranging from Washington, D.C. to Arizona. A successful musician, athlete, and dedicated community servant, he has been profiled multiple times in national news media beginning at the age of 10 and at the age of 16 was a subject of a documentary film on the elite performance entitled Strings to Iron that premiered at the AMFM Film Festival in Flagstaff, Arizona. Evan, thank you so much for joining us today. Yes, thank you so much for having me. How are you doing today? I am doing great. Thank you so much for asking. And I have to tell you, after looking at your bio, I'm super excited to chat with you. So I'd love to just jump right in. I've got questions just beaming everywhere. So can you tell us a little bit about your background as a military-connected youth? Oh, yeah, sure, absolutely. So my dad was in the Navy for 30 years. We had, he had six major deployments during my lifetime. Uh, we lived in, I lived in nine houses, uh, as you said, ranging from Washington, D.C. all the way to Arizona, and, and now a college student in uh, Providence, Rhode Island. So I'm 2,500 miles away from my parents right now, and it was difficult at first, but I'm starting to get used to it a little, just a little bit. But throughout my childhood, I focused on my activities, these ranged from the violins, my taekwondos, powerlifting, and eventually springboard diving, as well as my community service and civic activities. So, Evan, I'm curious, what was, I know we, we've talked a little bit about you lived in nine different houses. What was one of your favorite duty stations and why? Ooh, that was, that's, that's a bit of a tough one, but I, I guess I would have to say that my favorite place growing up was in Tampa. We lived on base housing on McDill Air Force Base, so they were brand new home, so we were the first family to actually uh, live inside the house, so it was really nice to be able to live in a new home, and it was squeaky clean and had all the bells and whistles, and the house that we had, you know, it, it overlooked Tampa Bay. We could have dinner out on our back porch, and I remember just being able to watch the cruise ships pull in and out of the harbor, and it was absolutely, absolutely magnificent, and also um, my room had a view of Tampa Bay, and we got to, I got to see the sunrises every morning and just seeing the sunrise over over the water was absolutely magical and also while i was in tampa i had a great school and, and there was a very supportive administration and i had a lot of friends there so it was even though it was middle school which for a lot of people was really is really rough and really awkward uh, for me it was a beautiful time in my life well it's it sounds that way and tampa is definitely a gorgeous a gorgeous city and certainly one of the 
perks of being a Navy kid is is the uh, opportunity to go to different duty stations across the country. And as we said, you know, you've moved a lot, just like most military-connected youth. And having experienced middle school in Tampa, from looking at your resume, it looked like though you did not get to finish your schooling in Tampa, you actually had to move. Can you share with some of our readers some of the challenges that you faced when moving into a new school from Tampa? Absolutely. Well, I would say the, the hardest the hardest transition for me was the high school was going into the high school that I graduated from. I transferred the summer before my sophomore year. It was into a wealthier private school in here in the Phoenix area, um, and most of the students there had been had been friends with each other since preschool or kindergarten or even first grade, and there was not a single military kid or military brat that was in that particular school. Uh, I showed up you know, during sophomore year, and I was competitive with their best springboard diver. I was their, I was, I was competitive against their best violinist, and this created a lot of tension, you know, with my, with my fellow classmates. I also had received a lot of media coverage from my, from my powerlifting, uh, which didn't help because it drew a lot of attention to my, to my achievements. I had people tell me that I shouldn't even think about applying to an Ivy League school or to a top-tier school because, you know, one, so there was going to be a group of kids that were going to get into those schools, and because I hadn't been there for that long, I was not going to be in that, you know, group of top students that would be accepted to those top schools. And it was really hard for me. I, I really believed that I, I wasn't good enough to get into those schools, and I had to work really hard and prove myself constantly. And also I had to, I had to perceive a lot of activities outside of school because the school really much froze me out. You know, so I, had to, so I pursued my volunteerism, my music in my church, and in senior homes around the Phoenix, Arizona area. And I continued training in powerlifting with my dad, and I also trained in springboard diving with a private club outside of uh, my high school. Well, I have to say that certainly does sound like it was a difficult time for you because it's so important to have those connections in high school, not only with your classmates but also with the school itself. So how did you embrace kind of this new environment and what advice would you give other military-connected students who maybe are experiencing the same challenges that you had? Sure, absolutely. So I think it's important to know, for everyone who's listening to know, that less than 1% of people in the United States are, you know, active-duty military. So you will eventually are going to be in environments where people don't understand you or don't appreciate your experience being in the military or being a military brat. My high school here in Arizona really froze me out, so I had to really make friends outside of school, particularly with my diving and my volunteering, as well as with my powerlifting. On the community side, I joined the Arizona Governor's Youth Commission. I worked on Senator John McCain's re-election campaign, and then I interned here at Senator Jeff Blake's Phoenix office. One another thing that I did that I was really proud of is I did the Valley Youth Leadership Program, and I also was able to get myself selected to Arizona Boys State. Um, and when I went to Boys State, I, it was a very competitive program, but I, I really enjoyed it. And I stood for election seven times. And doing elections over and over again in Boys State is very difficult. And I eventually became president of the Senate, and I won an award for, like, uh, there was an essay competition at Boys State as well, and I, I won the award for the best written essay. I also became the youngest performing a musician with Musicians on Call, which is a, a, volunteer, a, a volunteer 
thing for musicians here. It's it's national, but they also have a Phoenix uh, branch. And I played at the bedside of ill children here at the Phoenix, Phoenix Children's Hospital, specifically at the cancer ward. But I, I guess I would recommend kids take something like, for example, that you're really, really passionate about and try and use it uh, in a way to help your community. Uh, for example, for me, uh, I know I used my power listening records to raise $3,500 for the Bob Woodruff Foundation for Combat Injured Veterans. Um, that was something that I was really passionate about. Uh, and I was able to use my power listening, something that I loved and trained in very, um, very much all the time, five days a week a lot of the time. And I was able to help the community and the military community that gave me so much and gave me the opportunities that I have today. Well, I have to tell you, Evan, it's, it's, everything that you just shared with us is so impressive, particularly how you took the challenges you were experiencing and the connections that you would typically find, you know, in a school and in and peers, and you turned them into opportunities and found ways to still have those connections but with your community and, and turning within with your family and, and building um, building an incredible resume. So I'm just very, very impressed about how you have not only involved yourself in sports, but also music, and as you mentioned, volunteering. So how, I'm curious, though, how were you able to find a balance with academics and extracurriculars? Sure. Well, I, I can't deny it, it, was, it was really difficult throughout, even in middle school and definitely in high school. Balance is something we all struggle with, especially when you're trying to do as well as you can. I don't think I would say I had, like, the best amount of balance in my high school experience. It was an extraordinary amount of hard work. I mean, grinding every single day to try to get what I wanted to get. One of my goals was to, for example, was to get into a top college. Uh, and I absolutely knew I would have to sacrifice a lot of things in order to get that. The academic workload, for example, at uh, my high school here in Arizona was extremely demanding. And after school, for example, I, I would be at the pool for, like, I would go to the pool for two hours. I'd come home, I would get something to eat really quickly, uh, I would do two to three hours of homework and studying, which, you know, would, I could recover, then I would lift weights for an hour or two hours with my dad, and then I would go to bed, you know, and then study until I go to bed, which would sometimes be 11 or 12 o'clock, and then sometimes I would get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and I would do some, some more studying because I'm more of like a, I'm more of a morning guy, I'm, I don't work very well working late into the night, so I would get up at 5 a.m., and then I would study some more. I would, you know, work up some papers. My mom, for example, she really drilled the academics, and she really advised me on my classes. And she also drove me to my violin lessons and to my dive practices every day after school. I can't thank my mom enough, honestly, for everything that she did in terms of all the driving. She probably put 100,000 miles on the car just driving me to all my activities. So it was really, she really was a lifesaver for me. I don't know what I would have done without her. And for my dad on his side, he was very critical as well. He coached me my taekwondo uh, and my lifting when I was younger, and he traveled with me around the country so I could compete in those things. One great example is we went to nine straight AAU Junior Olympic Games all over the country, and we also went to national and world championships in lifting, strongman, like, and in taekwondo as well, and eventually diving. My dad was actually the one who came up with the idea to, that I should try and break over 100 world records while I was in high school. At the time, I was like, what? There's no way I can do this. This seems ridiculous. Like, 100 world records before I graduate high school, like, that's literally impossible. But, you know, in the summer of after my junior year of high school, I was on track to break my 100th world record at the Junior Olympics. But I was at a dive practice one day, and I dislocated my finger, and I had to wait to get my 100th 
world record at the world championships instead. I also put a lot of volunteer hours in, you know, playing my violin, ceremonies and events. I had more than 150 volunteer hours for two years in a row and while I was in high school. I recommend, for example, if you have a talent, get it in front of people, right? Whether that, I guess, whether that be at a senior home or, or children at the children's hospital or in front of five or 10,000 Major League Baseball fans. I had the chance to play the national anthem, for example, for Major League Baseball while I was in middle school and while I was in high school. Everything I did those high school years was because I really enjoyed it, right? If you don't enjoy it, then you're not going to want to continue doing it, and it's just really, really difficult. Because I believed in success, because I believe success for, um, would translate into a, getting into a great college also. Plus, I'm just personally a very competitive person by nature. I really thrive in a, a high-stress, fast-paced work environment, and I kind of think I get that from both my parents. You know, they were both in the military, so they were very, they were very much used to that environment, and they encouraged me to work hard. You know, for example, even though springboard, springboard diving was actually my worst sport, but I knew that I was good enough to get good enough at diving to get recruited by colleges to dive, and that's what eventually happened. I was later recruited to dive at Brown University. And of course, yeah, my yes, my high school schedule was it was hard, it was long, it was extremely demanding. But you know, I could always see my goals very clearly, and that's what continued to motivate me in the long run. Well, I mean, I have to tell you, your hard work definitely has paid off. And as you mentioned, you were recruited by Brown University, and that's, you know, one of the prestigious Ivy League colleges that you were supposedly not to apply to based on that Arizona high school that you were experiencing. So I, I think I think that the just rewards and seeing that you got admitted to that is certainly just to, able to see your success. And like you said, you you had your goals, you you thrive in sort of that competitive environment, and it sounds like you kind of took those challenges almost as a motivation to reach out and, and to be successful. So in college, now that you're a sophomore, how was your experience that you had in high school? How did that help prepare you for your time in college? Okay. Um, well, like, like as I mentioned earlier, um, I had attended a – a prep school with very entitled students, um, and you can find that you know that same level of that same feeling at some of the top universities in this country. But I, ha- I do have to say that there are a lot of really great people at Brown. Like I've met friends at Brown that I will definitely be talking to and can- keeping in touch with for the rest of my life. Like I've met lifelong friends and made lifelong experience. Like you've had like lifelong experiences I will never forget at Brown. So it's it's been a great experience for me going there. I have ha- I have a lot of great friends at Brown. It looks like, I, you know, I had some great friends at, P- uh, uh, my, my high school here in Arizona. When I went to look at colleges, I did a lot of research. I went on the chat room sites. I went on a bunch of different websites online. So I wanted to know what the college culture was in each place that I visited. I did not, and I mean, I did not want to go to a college that had the same, like, type of environment that my high school did. And I I eventually eventually chose the college that was for me, and that was Brown University. And I would definitely do the same thing over again. If there is one thing that I could that I can drill, if I can drill into kids that are thinking about a college or a university, it's do your research. Every single college has a certain feel to it, or like there's a certain type of culture. Even with like for example in the Ivy League, you know Princeton. Like no one's going to say that Princeton and Yale are exactly the same. They're very very different colleges. They're very they have a very different feel to them. 
and all the ivies have like a very specific type of environment and atmosphere like they're so distinct from each other I, I can't even begin to tell you how different they are you, for example, if you don't want to go to a cutthroat kind of place, research the schools that aren't like that. I was looking for a really top school that was still pretty mellow and pretty chill as day, and I found exactly what I was looking for in Brown. And also, as I mentioned, I had a demanding curriculum in high school, and I'm not going to lie, attending Brown right now is like junior year, all AP classes all the time. It is hard work. You're going to spend a lot of time doing in, in the library or in your room doing reading or writing papers or doing problem sets. Uh, you're, it's a lot of challenging academic work. And if you want to, you know, you want to be challenged and you should try to seek those academic challenges. And, you know, also gain confidence, gain confidence in yourself. And know that you, if you work hard, you can handle the academics anywhere. For example, people always, some people will say to me, oh, you go to Brown University, you must be pretty smart. And I say, well, I'm not the smartest person. I'm just the hardest worker. I always try to look at, see what the smartest person in the room is doing, and I try to emulate them, and that's been kind of like my, my frame of reference. Um, the other thing I will also say to military, kid, military kids is do not limit yourself. If you want to go, for example, to a private, a top private university, just try to apply. Uh, most of the top private schools uh, in this country have endowments that will provide you with needs, like needs-based tuition help. For example, um, I know that if you look at Harvard, if you look at Harvard, their endowment is over thirty billion dollars. Um, that's larger than a lot of countries' GDP. So it's you know you might think oh it's you know Harvard for example I think their tuition's around seventy thousand dollars. That seems like a really big number and it is a really big number. But there um, I know that they had a statistic recently up that said ninety to ninety five percent of American students would pay less at Harvard than at their, you know, than paying in-state in state tuition at their, you know, state schools. Academics also are paramount in the college admissions process, as you can probably assume. It is the baseline, right? But the key is, at least my key, is optimizing all of my other talents. Don't be a jack-of-all-trades, as they say, and a master of none. Try and focus on something and specialize in it, and that's what I did. Evan, I, I think you definitely have summed up a, a lot of what you, you've done and a lot of things that MSEC was that we agree with, that it's not just about how smart you are, but it's how hard you're working. And to research the colleges that you're interested in, whether that's internet research or going on campus and kind of getting a feel for the students and maximizing your talents and finding what's special about yourself and sharing it with others. So thank you. I think those are great words of wisdom and not limiting yourself just because a school may seem to be more expensive, but weighing out and doing your homework to see maybe they do have those endowments that would make it actually a little bit more reasonable than, than what you would expect. So Evan, do you have any final messages for, for military students or for parents, any stories that you would like to share? Absolutely. I would have to say stay on task during, you know, if your parents are deployed, stay on task. I know for me it was it was really it was really difficult having my especially for example my dad's last deployment. Um it was really hard for me. I really missed him. And my, my mom really missed him and even my cat <laughs> really missed my dad. The whole family really missed him and he couldn't call very often obviously because of the time zone and because he was really busy. Um, and that can be an environment where you can easily fall off the wagon. But I just have to say, it, and it, it, it might sound easy for me saying, oh, just stay on task. But I, I went through 
my dad, you know, going through six deployments. I know how hard it can be and how emotionally exhausting it can be. But, like, if you can stay on task and try to focus all of your, you know, angst and your anxiety on, like, what you're doing, then, you know, it will pay off. You know, focus your energy on your achievement. Um, also, standardized test scores are really, really, if not the most important thing, I think so more so than grades. Every single school in this country, like high school, has a different type of grade scale. You know, some schools have weighted GPAs, some schools have unweighted GPAs, um, but the standardized tests are the great equalizers. Everyone's taking the same test. You all, everyone knows, um, you know, everyone's getting tested on the same material, so it really is a measure of how people, um, you know, and it, it, these standardized tests, they don't measure your, how smart you are. They really measure how good you are at taking a test, but they do, they are very important, and you should take them very seriously. I know for me, um, what was I think was better than even doing one of these, you know, standardized test classes was buying those little ACT books or those SAT books online at, on Amazon for like $12 and just doing the practice test over and over and over again. And when I got a question wrong on the practice ACT or the practice SAT, I would go in detail and I would figure out what I did wrong on that question and I wouldn't move on until I completely understood what I got incorrect and then I would move on. And that literally, and that helped so much in the long run. Um, also, your college choice is a huge decision. Uh, your university is your brand, and that, you know, you will carry that for your life. I was taught that from the time I was little. So you need to decide what brand you really want and what you want to associate yourself with. Remember that you are not alone. It takes a village to raise a child. Your parents or coaches, teachers, mentors, they can all be extraordinarily helpful. Mine, I can't tell you how helpful mine have been to me. Enroll them in your early efforts and listen to their advice. Finally, and this would be my last thing, because I know I've been talking a lot, uh, is just go for it. You know, live, try to live your life as, to the highest you can, your reputation and your brand. The world, you know, it's like tabula rasa, it's like blank canvas for you. And it's up for you to choose your path and to move forward with it. Well, Evan, thank you so much for joining us today. It truly has been my pleasure to chat with you. I really think you've set a great example of a strong work ethic and determination that we see in our, a lot of our military-connected students. And I really want to wish you the best of luck in whatever the future may hold for you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me, and also good luck to you and your kids. I know you're one of your sons is going through the college process right now, so good luck yes. to him in all of his endeavors. Yes. Thank you so much. I'm actually going to have him listen to this podcast because I think you've got some really great advice, and coming from somebody other than his mom might be a little more helpful. So thank you, Evan. I really do appreciate that. Thanks to all our listeners for joining us today. Please like, share, and subscribe, and we appreciate your comments, questions, and ideas for topics that you'd like to hear more about. Have a great day. I want to thank you again for listening to our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. We would like to invite you to visit our website at www.militarychild.org. Like the MSEC on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Please join us again next time as we share more stories that impact our military-connected kids.